Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. On the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. Hey, if you're excited for service, make some noise. Hey, it is cold out there, right? This is terrible. I woke up and I'm like, this is not it. But hey, I still had to be here. But uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jared, and I am not the lead pastor of this community. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler. Can we give it up for our lead pastor? He is taking the weekend off, getting geared up for Christmas. Uh, but with that, y'all are stuck with me too bad. Someone in the back's going, honey, I knew we shouldn't have come to church today. It's okay. I got something special for you. We are in week three of our four-week series titled God With Us. And today I want to tackle God With Us in the Storm. Uh, I just want to let you know before I begin that this message is it's heavy. I'm, I'm, we're gonna, I, I believe God's gonna do some soul work today. Uh, I believe that nobody is in here on accident, that you are here on purpose, that whether it was from an invite or uh, someone dragged you here, I believe that God has a specific and special word uh, for you. Uh, for those of you that are new, just before I continue, something I always want everyone to know, I don't know where you are on your faith journey, but something we always champion here is that you don't have to believe in order to belong. Can I get an amen from the church family? Amen, right? Because we cannot... We, I just want you to share the faith that I have someday, but I can't force you to, 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 to believe what I believe. And, and we all kind of champion that here. And so I don't know where you are in your faith journey. If you hate God, hate church, hate me, what all that, all the good stuff, um, you're still so welcome here. Uh, we love you. Um, and with that, I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm going to really preach to your head, and then I'm going to move down to preaching to your heart. And I think God has something really, really special for many of us in this room today. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for today, Lord. I, there is no one like you. You, you are so unbelievable with, with you, like life is chess to you, and you're so far ahead of us, and you have something so specific for us. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the another one in the fire. You're the one that's with us when we don't feel it. You're the one who's with us when we don't think so. You're the one that never leaves, never forsakes, that you are the God who is with us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come fill this place with your presence. Lord. I can motivate someone to the parking lot, but I cannot change the human heart. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a deep, unrealistic, just incredible, miraculous work on the inside of us, Lord. I pray, God, that for those who do not know you, that today would be the day that they hear your voice, that for those who have not called you Lord before would call you Lord today. I pray for those that are walking through the storm, Lord, that today they would just be refreshed. Lord, that this be a word for their soul. And we ask that you would just speak in the name of Jesus. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, 
Amen. Well, I'll never forget the day where I realized something was wrong. I was driving from a uh, construction site to Circle K, and this morning, I, I don't this this specific morning, I don't know what happened, but but I knew something was wrong with me. Something was wrong with my my body. As time went to as time went on, I, I started developing these other symptoms, and I started just feeling worse and worse and worse. How many of you have ever been stuck in a storm you can't get out of? You see, I started developing all these crazy symptoms. I was a personal trainer at the time, and I could not even make through a 30-minute session with a client before my stomach feeling horrible or or having to use the restroom or feeling sick and nauseous. I I didn't know what to do. So I ended up going to ASU. I'm at Arizona State University at the Polytech campus, and I lived only 15 minutes away, but my symptoms got so bad, I had to wake up two and a half hours before I went anywhere in hopes that maybe I could, I could somehow stomach, just be able to just go on with life today. My symptoms were terrible. I would end up going to the bathroom 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 times per day. I could not work. I could barely get to school. And it, se- it seemed like everything just got worse and worse and worse. And I finally got a diagnosis. They say, oh, you have an autoimmune disease. I'm like, well, that, that at least helps it. So I don't care what I have. Please just get me out of this storm. So I remember getting different medicines and I'm different trying things, this trial and error, nothing is working. I seem to get worse and worse and everything culminated to this one specific day. I had to go to this class at 9 a.m. and I remember sitting there um, in, my, in my room and, and I just like, I am going to get to school today. I will get there, I am determined. But my disease had other plans for me that day because that day, I remember class started at nine, it was 8.58, I probably went to the bathroom 20 something times, I was bleeding profusely, I don't wanna get too graphic, but I remember screaming in pain, there's no one with me, and if God is loving, where is he? And so I remember crawling from my bathroom floor because I was so sick, and I crawled out to the living room and I collapsed on the floor and I just sobbed. I just sobbed. I just sobbed. And I closed my eyes, but the tears kept rolling. And I don't remember seeing anything. I just remember my tears, I could hear them rolling off my cheeks and they would hit the carpet. And it's almost like with every tear was a reminder that God isn't with me, he doesn't love me, and he doesn't care. And I've come here today, I feel like I've been sent by God to encourage you, for those of you that are in the storms of life, maybe you have come to that very intersection of faith and crisis, and somehow by God's providence, his gracious hand. You're either watching online or in the pews today, and I believe that God has a specific word for you. You see, so many of us are going through storms in life. We're all going through storms. Some of you might come in here this morning, you were dapping people up, you were hyped, you got coffee, you were shaking, oh, everything's great, but the truth is deep down underneath it all, you're going through a pretty terrible storm. I want to talk to the people today that find themselves crying in the shower. 
I want to talk to the people today that find themselves unable to sleep at night because they're so worried about certain things. You see, so many of us are going through storms of divorce. So many of us are going through storms of maybe you had another miscarriage, storms of depression, of anxiety, storms of sickness, maybe storms, the financial storms of life seem to be sucking your peace dry and you don't know what to do and have you ever found yourself asking, where is God? Why is he allowing this? What is he doing? Where is he? And here's what I want you to know today. By the time that you end, that we end this service, I want you to know this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. If you feel like he is absent, I want to let you know that the sign of his absence is the very sign of his presence because you would not be longing for something you did not once experience. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And here's why. Because peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of God. And so what I want to do is I want to take an anchor text, and then I'm going to go completely off the rails, but, but we're going to start here, and we're going to end here. And it starts in this. It's in Acts 27. It's this guy named Paul. And this guy, Paul, he's on his way to be put on trial with Caesar himself. He believes he's been, he's been unlawfully held. He, he's, they're, they're, they're bringing charges against him that are not true. And he finds himself on this boat with a lot of other prisoners on the way to Rome. They set sail. Paul looks at the skies and he says, listen, I've been in a couple shipwrecks myself. These skies don't look too good. They said, pay, pay him no mind. They kept sailing anyway. And sure enough, a storm comes. The scripture says that a northeastern cape, which is like a, almost like a hurricane, the, the sailors, they are freaking out. This storm is the worst that you can imagine. And sure enough, on the second day, the first day they're freaking out. The second day, they start throwing stuff overboard. On the third day, they throw the tackle overboard, the riggings, the cranes. They're getting, they are in sheer panic. They don't know what to do. Have you ever been in a storm of life where things seem to get worse and worse and worse. They're thinking to themselves, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive? And we pick it up in verse 20, and it says this. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They gave up all hope. And I wonder if some of us in here today are carrying that right now. There's no way, man, our marriage is going to make it. There's no way I can survive this divorce. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to have a kid. There's no way I can be able to make it as a single mother. There's no way I'm going to overcome this sickness. There's, you've lost all hope. And for some of us, man, the storm's been raging so hard and so long you've lost all hope. You ask yourself, why is this happening to me? When is this going to end? And if there is a God, then where is he? You see, when suffering happens, when we're in life's furnace, questions start to arise, do they not? Questions start to arise. We have all these questions that we think if we can just get these solved, then maybe I can find some peace. But the truth is, it's really not that easy. But I still want to 
just for, for our own sake, to answer a couple of questions because as you are going through suffering, as you're going through your storms, you ask two questions. One question I've always wanted to know was why would God create a world? Why did he create a world with, that includes suffering? Why, did he, why didn't God create a world without it? And the second thing I always want to know is, is, is there a purpose to all this garbage? You see, Viktor Frankl, who went, made it through the Holocaust, he wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, and he created a counseling therapy called Logotherapy, and it's the idea that the most important primary driver of all of us is meaning. And I think it's so true, because if we can just have some purpose in our storms, maybe that will let, help us take one more step. But the question is, why didn't God create a world without suffering? Well, you see, there's four worlds God could have created. The first world he could have created was simply nothing. Where you and I don't exist, we don't have our, the highs and lows, the beauty of life. The second world he could have created was a, a world where you could only choose good. It's kind of like, hey, Alexa, tell me the time. And you just, it has to, you just have to, yes, God, yes, God, I can only choose good. Everything is very compliant based, or you have the third world where God could have created an amoral world, where good and evil are, none of those exist. It's just blah. Life is just gray. Or God could have created the world, and this is the world that you and I live in, where both good and evil could exist with the possibility of choosing either. But something I want you to know is that it is only in this world in which you and I live that love is possible because love can only exist when there's a choice. See, some of us in relationships, we are controlling, and the reality is when you're trying to control other people, what you're getting is not love, it is compliance. And that's why God created this world that, that good and evil could be chosen with the possibility of choosing either because that is the only world in which love could exist. You see, the kind of world God created is directly correlated with what God values and what God values above all else is, is relationship. It's not more rules. It's not doing whatever you want. It's more relationship. And you see, in order for a relationship to be meaningful, it must be freely chosen. But here's the thing, but for a relationship to be freely chosen, then there must be the possibility of it being rejected. And whenever you have the possibility of rejecting relationship, you have now created the possibility of pain and suffering. You see, love cannot exist if there was no choice. You see, because there is choice, because there is that freedom, we as humans have brought sin, brokenness, and evil into this world, but that was never a part of the original plan. God did not invent the world. He did not create the world to include those things. We brought the brokenness into this world, and we have created suffering, and because suffering exists, so do storms. You see hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, they're all just an expression in creation of the devastation of the universe inside of us. You see, the things that you can see in the universe outside of us is just a mirror image of the brokenness inside of us. Sometimes I wonder if we could not see these storms on the outside, the brokenness on the outside, I don't know if we would ever acknowledge the brokenness in here. You see, it's maybe never dawned on you till this moment that our actions might actually affect creation. 
You see, God created the world without evil, suffering, and death. What we turned from God and brought brokenness into the world, and here is the beautiful part. He doesn't abandon us in it. Even amidst all that stuff, he does not abandon us in it because the entire narrative of the scriptures is one word, redemption. He's redeeming it all. So why did God, why did, why did he create a world that, that could include suffering? Because that's the only world in which love could exist. But some of you, you've walked in here today and maybe the course of your life, you always think God is punishing you. But I want to let you know that if you are a son or a daughter of God, the punishment that you were to ever deserve was punished by Jesus. Jesus took the punishment for you. So listen, you, you can take punishment out of your vocabulary, out of your dictionary, because if you follow Jesus, Jesus already took your finished work. He finished the work for you. He took your guilt, took your shame. And so the banner over your life is it is finished. You see, when you encounter a storm, your storm is not punishment. It's part of the brokenness of this world. It's just part of the brokenness of this world. Stop thinking God's out to get you. He, it, he would have no problem with getting you. He's come to restore you. He's come to make you whole. But then we wonder, is there a purpose to these storms? You see, God has a general purpose for your storms and a specific one. The general purpose for all your storms is good. And the specific purpose is godliness or character. Now, I could tell this story, I want to tell it quickly, but just for to help my friends that maybe it's your first time in church, it's this story of this man named Joseph. Now, Joseph has, his dad is named Jacob, and he has 12 sons. But Jake, Joseph is his favorite, and so he spoils him. Joseph becomes shallow, he becomes cruel, he becomes arrogant, while the other brothers become envious, hateful, and angry. All of a sudden, one day, they get so angry that they sell them into slavery. Yes, they traffic their own brother. And it's incredible because he gets trafficked. He then, Joseph is then falsely accused of something he didn't do. He's now in prison and bad things after bad thing after bad thing. It goes from worse to worse to worse happens in his life. But here's the amazing part. Behind the backdrop of Joseph's story is these verses unbeknownst to him and unbeknownst to you that God was with him. Genesis 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Yes, he was with Joseph even in his prison. Now here's what's amazing. Because Joseph was sold into slavery, he's now in this, working in this house. And he is then accused of something he did not do and he now finds himself in a prison. So far he's done nothing to deserve any of these things. For some of you, you are in a situation that you did not do on your own. This was, this was the brokenness of other people. But check this out, he finds himself in a prison, then at the time, meanwhile, while this is happening, there are two people in Pharaoh's inner circle who get sent to prison. Both are, are struggling, and Joseph notices. He goes, hey, what's wrong? And they say, well, we've had really bad dreams. We have no one to tell. We, we don't know what to do with them. And he said, well, I can't interpret dreams, but I think God can, so I'll pray, and then we'll go, let's see what God got. So sure enough, one guy's future is he's going to die. That sucks. The other one is uh, he's going to get restored to his normal position. So sure enough, he, this man gets restored back into the inner circle of Pharaoh and two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. The guy goes, oh my gosh, I know the guy. 
He calls Joseph out from prison, puts him in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him this dream. Joseph prays, tells the dream. Basically, there is a crisis coming ahead, and Pharaoh goes, we need someone to lead us through this. Hey, guess what? You're the guy. And here's what's amazing about this whole thing. Because all of those bad things happened. Joseph gets God gets Joseph exactly where he wants you to go. He gets, he, gets, he gets Joseph exactly where he wants him to go. And here's the amazing thing. It's only because all these bad things happened that people are saved from starvation. Good thing. That Joseph's family is saved from starvation. Good thing. Joseph himself is saved from starvation great thing. Joseph then becomes a man of great character and not a shallow, cruel, uh, uh, spoiled brat. That's some godliness and some character there. Uh, What's amazing is then he forgives his brothers for selling him into slavery, which is, that's some more godliness. And here's what's incredible, is at the very end, the whole story wraps up, and Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And I have a very specific word for somebody, and it is this, is that you're not being punished, you're being positioned. Man moves by the hand of God. It took all those negative things to get him into a place where he could have just share so much good. It was for the good of Joseph, the good of everyone around him, and to the glory of God. And here's what's amazing is, is I, I remember Lisa Turkers, if you have not read her books, you are sleeping. Uninvited is an amazing book. Go buy it. Uh, forgiving what you can't forget. Go buy it. It's not supposed to be this way. Go buy it. All that to say, Lisa has this story in her book where she, she, her husband has an affair on her, right? Has an affair. She's just devastated. Just can't even imagine. But six months later after the affair, she has this awful pain, like something is wrong. She's in horrible pain, and they take her to the hospital. So she's in the hospital. They're giving her pain meds. It's not even taking the edge off any of this pain. So they admit her to, this is on Monday. They finally can't find anything. They run tests after tests. She's then admitted to the hospital. Tuesday, they run test after test. Wednesday, test after test. Thursday, they can't find anything. And Lisa says this. She said, in the hospital bed, she said, God, I know you can do anything. And yet you're choosing not to do it. I'm a mother, and I would do anything to get my kids if out of this pain if they were experiencing this much pain. But for some reason, you're not doing anything. And I'm getting really skeptical about who you are. I'm starting to really doubt how good you are. And then Friday happens. Doctor walks in. He says this. He goes, Lisa, your colon is twisted. It's ripped away from your abdominal wall. It's cut off the blood flow inside of you. And we're going to have to rush you into surgery right now or you're going to die. We gotta rush you into surgery right now or you're gonna go die. So they get her ready and as he is walking out of the room, he turns around, he says, Lisa, I know you have been crying out to God to take away your pain. But he said, but I'm so thankful he didn't answer that prayer. I'm so thankful because if he took away your pain, we would have sent you home, your colon would have burst and you'd be dead. Oh, thank God for the unanswered prayers. 
Amen? And thank God for the unanswered prayers in our life. God allows pain, but he does not cause it. There is ultimately something so good that God is doing in the supernatural that you cannot see in the natural. I'm just begging you to keep taking a step forward because Romans 8.28 says, For we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. And what's so amazing is it does not say everything is good. And it doesn't say every cloud has a silver lining. And I ask you and I beg you as brothers and sisters of Christ, I'm asking you this, please stop saying everything happens for a reason because it doesn't. Everything does not happen for a reason. Like, can you imagine sitting across from someone who, who experienced, who's a survivor of abuse and saying, hey, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, the, the reason was someone committed an evil sin against you. You're hurt, broken, and now we gotta find a way to restore this thing. We gotta find a way to find healing and some wholeness. No, what Romans 8.28 is saying is that all the trash and the garbage used against you for evil and for bad, God is ultimately gonna turn it to the exact opposite and create something good and create something beautiful out of it because that is the God who we serve. And so I want to be honest with you. Even though I answer those two questions, the truth is, it doesn't matter. Because deep down, when you're in a storm and you're asking, where is God? The ultimate thing underneath all of us is, do you not care? Are you just going to let me just sit here and suffer? Like, are you, are you sure you're good? And here's the thing. If you're in that position, I want to tell you, it's okay. You just need to give yourself some grace. I have, I mean, within the last year, I've asked that prayer multiple times. Everyone in this room goes through things. If you haven't gone through things yet that have make you said, do you not care, God? I promise you they're coming. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. But here's the thing. We're all in good company because the disciples who walked with Jesus themselves asked the same thing. They're going through this storm, and they say, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And Jesus says this, he's like, he goes, where's your faith? Like he, he calms the storm and he goes, where's your faith? Because for those of you who are parents, have you ever had your child come up to you and be like, you don't love me, you've never done anything for me? And you're like, oh, did that mac and cheese make itself? You know, like, you're like, are you kidding me? Did you sleep tonight? Did you have a heater on? And in the same way, when Jesus says, where is your faith? He's saying, I love you, yet you have no idea what I'm doing for you, and you have no idea what I'm about to do for you. Because little did they know that Jesus was about to go into the ultimate storm without any navigation so that you and I would never be left without navigation ever again. He was about to endure punishment for sins he did not commit so that you and I would be declared innocent. He was about to be covered with our guilt and our shame so that you could be forever declared clean. He goes, are you kidding me? You have no idea what I'm about to do for you. And so we get back into the story with Paul, right? He says, all hope is lost. Verse 21, it said, he goes up, he stands up, he said, men, you should have listened to me. I hate that guy. 
You know what I'm saying? You should have listened to me. Shut up. We know. There's a storm. What's your solution? He says, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. So here's the truth, y'all, is you might be in a storm due to the brokenness of this world, but you also might be in your storm due to the brokenness of others. You see, Paul's in the storm. He didn't do anything. That wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault to be in that situation. He even said, please do not sail. And they're like, nope, we're doing our own thing. He's like, great, now I'm in a storm because of you. And here's the truth. We are so connected. And I I can't tell you how many times I see people go, well, I'm gonna do my own life. It's my life. I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. That's just not the truth. You see, your sin, my sin, it might be private, but it's never personal. It's never personal, ever. It's never personal. If you and I are sitting in a boat and I start drilling a hole in the boat, you'd be like, Jared, good Lord, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, it's my life. I'm not hurting anyone. No, that, that's the biggest lie ever. That's why we have to be so, man, trying to walk with Jesus because, man, my brokenness can break you. My, my, if, I, if, if God doesn't heal some things in me, you get in a relationship with me, I'm gonna end up hurting you. I don't wanna do that. See, we can create storms for other people, but not only that, we can also be in storms due to ourselves. And he says, men, you're the one that drove in this storm and incurred all this injury and loss. You see, sometimes we just love to blame the devil for everything. You get a nail on your tire, oh, the devil. It's like, dude, you just drove over a nail. Like, he, like he's got better stuff to do than the nail on your tire. Um, it's unfortunate, and I've, I've had my tire blow on the freeway, but, you know, everyone loves to blame the devil, and it's like, sometimes you just drove into the storm on your own. You see, sometimes you, you say something you shouldn't have said, you did something you shouldn't have done, you spent money you didn't have, you got in a relationship you knew was not gonna be right, you knew God wasn't gonna bless it, and the truth is some of us are so unhealthy that we don't even realize the storms that we are in are the very ones we created. And sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you got right into it, you drove right into it. But here is the beautiful truth. I think at every level, we think that God will surely rescue us from a storm due to the brokenness of the world, due to the brokenness of others. But the lie we believe is we don't believe God will get us out of the storm we put ourselves in. And there's some of you that you think you go, oh, I'm going to fix this. Uh, No, I don't deserve to be rescued. I'm going to, that's not the gospel. It's not. The gospel is this, that I need help. I can't help myself. God, can you please help me? Some of you have made messes in your life, but can I remind you today that God is still the rescuer. He's still faithful. He'll still walk with you in it. He will still walk with you in the very storms you created because that's how good he is. I love it so much because... He's just he's just crazy. He's so he's so generous and and I just it's crazy because God doesn't throw us manuals and lists and to-dos. He throws himself. He throws his life into our storm to walk with us in it, to be our rescuer, to be the God who saves. He is the one no matter why you got into your storm. I don't know how you did, but I want you to know that God is still mighty to save. It doesn't matter if you got it, you drove into it, and you loved driving into it. God still can rescue you in your storm.
Ezekiel says this, God says himself, he said, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself, I will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places. Jonah was rescued from a storm that he created. Paul was rescued from a storm that other people created. And lastly, the disciples were rescued from a storm just because there was a storm. You see, the truth is, I don't know why you're in the storm, but God is with you in it, and he is our great rescuer. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God, because peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of God. So we go on. Paul says, hey, take heart. God wants to give you hope today. He says, take heart, for there will be no lost life among you, but only of the ship. He says, keep your courage, keep your faith. The storm is not the end of you. And verse 23 says, for this very night there stood before me an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. He said, God was so kind, I didn't realize it, but God sent someone to stand with me in the storm. For sometimes he sends his angels, sometimes he sends his presence, sometimes he sends his manifest presence and sometimes he sends a person. Second Corinthians 7, 6, it says, God, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. What does that mean? He's saying that God sometimes sends you his presence by sending you a person. And I wonder, I ask that the Holy Spirit right now would reframe some of your past storms and start reminding you, oh, wait, God was with me in the storm. Hey, he sent this person to pray for me or or this happened. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would do something that only he can do. And I love this. It says, it reminds me of Jesus when he says, he goes, why are you guys so afraid? Why are you so fearful? And the reason why Jesus asked his disciples that is because he's like, guys, I'm on the boat. Like, I've been here the whole time. You didn't lose me like you lost yourselves. You lost your mind. Because real peace isn't found in the absence of storm. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. You see, the truth is, church, you will never have a storm-free life. Ever. It says in the scriptures that that the storms rain on the just and the unjust. Storms are coming. But the question is, who are we going to remind ourselves who's with us in the storm? And so Paul, he's walking around. He's like, he got a little confidence to him. He's going through a potentially life-threatening situation, but he got a word from God. He's like, ooh, we're good. Because when you know God is with you in the storm, your posture starts to change. Your hope starts to rise. Burdens are lifted. You got some confidence. Why? Because you know God is with you in the presence of a storm. And here's what the angel said. He said, do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And I want to remind some people today that you're not going down in the storm, that you're not going to drown in the storm, that there is more for you to do. There's more people for you to love. There's more people for you to serve, more calling, more purpose to your life. God is not done with your story yet. He is writing, I don't care how bad your attitude has been in the storm. Listen, it's not about your strength. It's about his. It's not about your plan. It's about his. And he is so good. He is still writing your story. He is not done yet. And you are not going down in this storm. He's doing something in you. He's speaking to you. He's deepening you. And here's the best part. At the very end of our storms, man, I look back and I go, God, I never want to go through that again. But man, it helped me see God in a new way. 
Oh, it helped me see God in a new way. And some of you, God is bringing you through a storm right now so you can help others through theirs. Because one of the most powerful words, and I love, and, and even though there's a movement about it, I've been saying this before the movement, one of the most powerful words is me too. And me too, man, I've been through that. I have that doubt too. Man, I didn't think our marriage would have made it, but God. I didn't think I could have had a kid either, but, but, but God. I never thought I, I, I had purpose, but God, I, I never thought I'd overcome that sickness, but God, I never thought I could make it as being a single mom, but God, you see, God so uses every bit of our storms for the good of us, for the good of others, and for the glory of him. And this is what I love. He says, so take heart, man. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he said. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stop focusing on our storm swells and start focusing on the size of our Savior and his promises. And here's why. Because what you magnify, you get more of. What you magnify, you will ultimately get more of. You see, I remember, I love going to California. I love standing at the beach, and you can't see the end of the ocean from your left to your right. You're like, oh my gosh, God spoke that thing into existence. Like he is, like his, this storm that you're in, it is nothing to him. He is so much bigger than that. But not only that, focusing on the size of our God is focusing on his promises. I have to ask you, what did God say to you? Because what he spoke to Paul is he said, listen, you're not going down in this storm. So I ask you, what did God say to you before this storm happened? Or maybe he's speaking to you in the storm right now. What did he say to you? What's something that you can hold on to? Maybe you don't have anything specific, but there's so many promises in the Bible. Like things like, um, for, for God, my God will supply all my riches according to him. In Christ, like supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That means you're set. God's gonna provide for you one way or another. He's got a way. Or maybe it's, hey, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Maybe it's the fact that he is our shelter, that he is our hiding place. I don't know what you need to hold on to, but you need to hold on to a promise in order to get you through this storm because you can't control how long the storm lasts. You can't control how severe the storm is, but you can control who you put your faith in and you can control listening to the right voice, not the sound of the howling wind, but the sound of the words of our Savior. Are you listening more to your storms or what God has said? Because what he said will happen. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Whether the relationship falls apart, whether the debt piles up, whether um, the cases rise and fall, the economy tanks, no matter what, God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he is with you, he is your provider, he is your source, he is your guide, he is your strength, he is your savior, and he is not done with you yet. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because here's the thing, peace isn't found in the absence of a storm. It's always found in the presence of God. He's with you, it's gonna happen what he said. I really wanna, there's someone here where God has spoken to you something and you forgot about it. Maybe it's in your journal, but I wanna remind you that he will do what he said. It will come to pass. This storm will not take you down. There's more people for you to love, more people for you to serve. And God always has a rescue plan, and I promise your deliverance is coming. 
and I can invite the band up. Basically, I want to end it this way. If you actually didn't get anything from this message thus far, this is the most important part, bar, bar none. There is one storm in your life that could potentially ruin you. I'll be honest, there's one storm that, that I personally, it's a, it's a big one. But the good news is, is that storm has already been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Our requirement is simply to believe. Jesus says this with his, with, with his people surrounding him. He says this. He goes in Matthew 12, something greater than Jonah is here. He goes, something greater than Jonah is here. And, and you go, what does he mean? Well, in the, in, there's a book of a story. There's a story of, of someone in a storm in the book of Jonah. And there's this story of Jesus in a storm. And here's the crazy thing. They're mirror images of each other. This is what's so amazing. I love this. Both of them were overtaken by storms. Both Jonah and Jesus were asleep on their boats. Both had sailors waking me up, screaming we're gonna die, and both of them experienced a miraculous divine intervention. You see, with, with Jonah, he said, listen, you gotta throw me over the boat because if you throw me over, if I perish, you will live. If you throw me into the storm, then it will cease. If I die, you will live. But then you transfer over to Jesus' story and that's not what happened. Or was it? You see, Jesus says, hey, someone greater than Jonah's here. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, do you remember that story of Jonah? Yeah? Do you remember it? Can you recall it? He says, do you remember when Jonah jumped into the storm to calm it, to calm the wrath of God? He says, yeah, someday I'm gonna do something greater than that. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna calm all storms, I'm gonna steal all waves, I'm gonna destroy destruction, I'm gonna break brokenness, I'm gonna kill death. And you say, but how, Jesus? Because he said, I'm gonna do it by jumping into the storm, willingly like Jonah, but the storm was so much bigger than just that one. It was the ultimate storm, and he finished it all on the cross. He jumped on there willingly. He is God of the universe and stayed on that cross. He could have got himself down, but he stayed in order that you would live. In order that you would live. You see, there is a storm. Man, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Jesus says. But if you believe in me, you can know that I took the storm for you. I was abandoned and consumed on the cross so you would never be. I was punished on the cross that day so you would never be. So you could walk in the fullness of life. So you could have peace in your soul. So you could know everything is secure in your life. And here is the best part. You're going to be tempted to ask, God, do you care? But here's the thing. If you remind yourself that Jesus jumped into the ultimate storm, the ultimate storm that could actually end us, you may, it makes you go, oh, man, if you are willing to do that, surely you'll walk with me as the debt piles up. Surely you'll walk with me as I enter into single motherhood. Surely you'll walk with me as the relationship falls apart. Surely you will walk with me through this storm because that is who you are. You see, those who are suffering, man, I learned this. I know I answered some questions, but the truth is we don't need theological arguments. We need someone who's with us in the storm. And Christianity is the only belief system in the entire universe that said God of the universe is with you in it. Have you lost a child? So is God. Have you been betrayed? 
so is God. Have you felt alone in your storm? Feeling like you have no navigation? So is God. But because he walked through that all with you, because he walked through that all on the cross that day, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that he is walking with us now. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God because peace is not found in the absence of storm. Peace is found in the presence of God. And here's the beautiful thing. Someday he's gonna return and he's gonna still every storm for eternity. And the peace of the universe is gonna return back to its created state and all will be made well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would right now remind your sons and daughters of who you are. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that if you took that ultimate storm, that you are surely walking with them in this. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remind your children as well of things that you have spoken to them. God, I pray that this you would just kick up the dust in their soul, remind them of what you have said Remind them that you got hope for them, that this is not the end of this story. Lord, that they're about to come, some coming out of this storm into a new chapter, into something beautiful. Lord, I pray that for all of us experiencing storms right now, Lord, that we would get every ounce of whatever we need in it in order to help those around us. I pray, Lord, for those of us who are suffering deeply, I pray that you would use this for the good of us, for the good of others and the glory of you. For those of you, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, and I want to invite you to do that today. It's really no magical prayer. There's nothing crazy to it. Maybe your heart was burning as I've been speaking. And if that is you, you've never put your faith in Jesus, let me invite you today just to pray with me. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray to yourself. Just say these words, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, God, that we are made innocent and clean because of what you've done. Lord, that what someone did last night or the week before or, or, or their, their worst shameful thing that they've done, I love you, Lord, that you say it is clear, it is off the table, they are clean in your sight. Holy Spirit, you are so good. I pray that you would continue to speak to us as we worship in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.